Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry here on KOPN, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri, 89.5 FM. Uh, I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone who's building a more humane world from the inside out, we say. And today my guest is a fellow from Columbia who actually I met uh, in Columbia recently at the uh, Boone Historical Society place there on uh, uh, South 63, Michael Straw. Good morning, Michael. I, by the way, we should let folks know we're Zooming uh, a few days ahead of the show. So uh, if it sounds like we're seeing each other, we actually are. <laughs> Yeah. Good morning, Dick. Yes, it's nice to join you, even with Zoom. Yeah, even with Zoom, right. Yeah, well, you were, uh, uh, along with me, I guess, sort of honored... Uh, Indeed. Portraiteers. <laughs> Sounds more know. like puppeteers, doesn't it? Something like that, yeah. We, we somehow both got painted by Jane Mudd. Uh, Don't you think that woman has amazing taste? Oh. I mean, uh, she, would, she would include us in uh, in that art show. And boy, do I uh, love the work that Jane Mudd does, you know. So, yes, we were very fortunate to be uh, immortalized uh, <laughs> by her. And so, yes, it was good. To, and because of that, I've got I'm getting to know you. So uh, exactly. thank you, Jane. Yes. Thank you, Jane. Uh, you were there playing uh, piano and singing, I believe, weren't you? Uh, well, that's that's what they had me do, yes, and I, I do teach singing. And uh, I'm not a pianist, but, uh, you know, if I sing loudly enough uh, and uh, if uh, you have another drink or two, you'll think I'm doing all right. And so, uh, yes, I did play the old blind boom piano that day, which... Uh, is an, a nice old instrument and of course really appreciate the historical society and the work they do there for this county in every way so that's quite wonderful yeah it was a great gathering i, I was just impressed with the number of folks that showed with such a variety of people that uh, mixed yeah. out of the columbia and the, and the region uh, indeed quite and a I, reach. I hope you're getting to interview many of them because they uh, each have had uh, a, a, new, a unique pilgrimage to where they are now uh, mm -hmm. to also be captured uh, in the portrait process. And so, well, we've had Jane on the show, and uh, we had Kenny Green okay. on the show. Um, I, I'm looking forward to getting in touch with the Diana Frios, and maybe we'll have them on the show. Wonderful. And I'm sure there are more that uh, would come up, but that's what Ooh. is top of mind today. Absolutely. And we might, I might say, uh, if anyone listening uh, feels as though you'd like to be on local news in social artistry, uh, you would have the hour to talk about your projects of life that have uh, been building a more humane world and, and uh, share it with everybody else around here. So let us know. Uh, contact the station and they can get a hold of me. Thanks. So, Michael, uh, you're not a Columbia native. Uh, I'm, I'm actually not either. I was born in Fayette and ah. came over when I was two. That's close. <laughs> yes. Close. 
Uh, you're from Carrollton, is that correct? My wife is from Carrollton. I'm oh, your wife. Carthage. Carthage. Carthage right. Southwest Missouri, Jasper County. Mm -hmm. Wonderful little community. Uh, great place to grow up. I enjoy Carthage tremendously and um, have fewer family there now, but uh, loved it. There's a college there in Carthage? Joplin, actually, uh, Missouri Southern State university now is there and so uh, there's not a college in okay. carthage itself carthage was um uh, for many years we led adjacent to the largest gray marble quarry in the world uh was there it Whoa. is the, also the uh, home of a fortune 500 company called liggett and platt and um you know that county was big on lead and zinc many years ago uh many many years ago and um Carthage uh, reaped the benefit, I suppose, of some of that and uh, as being the county seat and um, was just a great, I often call it provincial, but a, a beautiful place. And, you know, uh, my grandparents were teachers and my mother's a teacher and, and family, other family members are teachers. And so we came there in the mid 40s. Mm -hmm. My grandfather uh, left teaching for just a few years to help with the war effort where he worked with one of the powder plants in Carthage and after that went back to teaching and spent 43 years in teaching and mm -hmm. um, and uh, grandmother was a teacher as well and uh, yes Carthage was just a great place to be lots of art and music and um, that, that was very important you know I, I think I've, I've grown up as an as an esthete and I don't know many people know that word it's more similar to we all know an athlete but uh, it's all part of that same Greek background there of a uh, person who perceives and um and thus an aesthete is a person who has a special appreciation of of art or beauty and um, I was very fortunate to be exposed to that as a young child in a in a family of uh, learners and thinkers out on the farm and um, lucky me I was raised in in an idyllic situation wow wonderful yeah. You know, I was thinking of Cotty College, but that's a little north. A little right? north in Nevada, Missouri, yes. Nevada. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, Cotty is a two-year uh, women's college there, and uh, I really don't have any association other than some distant family members in Nevada. And um, my, high, my middle school, junior high ballroom dance teacher also taught ballet at Cotty College. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Well, I have a, a very small connection with Cotty College, uh, and that's going to ring a bell with you. Um, I was part of University Singers in 1962-63 under Tom Mills, and we sure. went to Cotty College to do a, a, you know, a gig. Uh, oh, my yeah. goodness. Was Susie Nichols, uh, did you know Susie, who well, was in Columbia? Yes, Susie was a, a year or two behind me, maybe just one year. Okay. So we weren't in Singers at the same time, but uh, she then moved to Jeff City, and here she, we've been in shows together, but she's often been the music director. Yes. And I've been on the stage, so. Uh, oh, well, I appreciate Susie. She played the re wedding reception at our wedding, and, and her daughter Ashley studied with me, and so... Uh, Yes, I really respect Susie. She's a great musician and uh, a great teacher. And so I uh, can't say enough good things about Susie. 
and evidently uh, quite a salesman with Edward D. Jones. Yes, she was very helpful with that for us in that regard as well. And so we miss her. You know, I think Arizona is fortunate to have her now down there with her grandchildren and all. So, so Tom Mills had probably moved on by the time you arrived in what uh, nineteen eighty. Seven uh, when I arrived in Columbia. So I've been here for 35 years. Yes, my wife really directed uh, the music for Tom Mills' funeral, as a matter of fact, and oh. uh, directed at the church where he directed, and his son directed for many years, First Christian Church in Columbia. And then mm-hmm. I directed on the other side of town at Broadway Christian Church. Uh, both of these are Disciples of Christ congregations. And so uh, Melissa was there about 14 years, and I was at Broadway for about 21 years. And so our association with Tom, I do remember him uh, uh, still living at the point in which we came to town oh, wow. and, and had a few interactions with Tom. And of course, mm-hmm. his legacy is uh, is uh, still well maintained, especially by Susie and others through the years. <laughs> and so uh, that's, it's good to be remembered fondly for what you've done. And so I congratulate him for that. And I should say, Dick, that's where I met my wife. She was, you know, this young college sophomore freshman or something. And here I was a doctoral student. And um, so uh, lucky me, um, it, it moved on into being a, a relationship where we had a wonderful, t- a wonderful life, wonderful experience for many, many years and, and then have two wonderful children. So unfortunately, she's no longer living. And so uh, uh, that uh, came, part came to an end. But um uh, Cut short, very short. Yes, University Singers was, uh, in that regard, was uh, important music, (laughs) but also as a a place where I met my wife, so. Yeah, well, there's gonna be another uh, connection. Oh? Back in, well, it might have been 62, 63. Mm -hmm. Uh, My music director out at Hickman, I graduated from Hickman in 62, uh, was Kent Tolson. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, I think you're friends with Debbie. Well, uh, Debbie and I are friends. In fact, Debbie's a former student of mine, and her daughter is too. And okay. her son was not, but they left. She left town for Georgia at that point of time and taught down there for about a decade. So I did not get to, to work with her son. I did not get to know her father, unfortunately. I just have heard all the wonderful things about him and his work here at Hickman High School. So, so he, you grew up being one of those students that were in two shows a year or something he used to produce then. I almost was. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I went back to Fayette for sophomore and junior year, but Kent said, hey, I hear you're coming back for your senior year. We're doing Oklahoma. Oh. Uh, can you be in it? <laughs> mm. So uh, Wonderful. I got to be Will Parker in uh, Oh, what a great role. What a fun <laughs> role. That tells me a lot about you already. Yeah. <laughs> that tells me even more by the roles we play than maybe by uh, some of the other things, you know. So that's that was well, a great role. I was supposed to get to kiss Adu Annie. Yes. But her boyfriend threatened me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Larry Burnett, if you're listening, I'm remembering you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is in a kiss? I'm sure there's some um, more advanced Shakespearean line there than I'm going to deliver. (laughs) Yeah, great. Yeah. So uh, I did have a time with Kent 
And that uh, summer, I think, over at Stevens Playhouse, they were doing Gilbert and Sullivan, uh, pop, possibly the Mikado or one of those. Oh. I think mm -hmm. probably the Mikado. And uh, Kent said, can you be in the chorus? And I, I did some of that. But uh, is it Harry Morrison, Morrison yeah. was in that uh, production, production as well? Yes. Harry's a dear mentor and colleague for us and our family. Uh, he was I was a student of his. Harry and I were very similar. Of course, I'm not here with Harry's not here to defend himself with that statement. <laughs> but um, our teaching actually is very, very similar. And so it was wonderful to to get to work with him, having him do to me what I was doing to students. And um, we did workshops and, and uh, master classes for each other and so appreciate Harry. He was uh, kind of an extended member of our family as well as we did not have uh, grandparents here in Columbia. And so uh, uh, our our children remember him greatly. And uh, he, he was, uh, I never thought as well sung as he should have been. He adjusted voices simply freely and easily and naturally in such a way that most people hardly knew it was occurring <laughs> and um and that's uh that's an art and a gift in, in and of itself mm -hmm. but um, in fact i was just looking at a recording that we made uh, in 2004 with the missouri symphony where um of the mikado and mm -hmm. i was the mikado and it just kind of happened where uh kirk trevor and I were having lunch and he told me about doing the Mikado. And then before it was over, uh, all of my former students came back to town to sing in it. And Harry was in it and Melissa was in it. And uh, one person was not a member of that group, you know, yum yum. But everybody else <laughs> that came back was that. And so I finally remember the Mikado and getting to sing it here with Missouri Symphony and, uh, at Missouri, Missouri Theater. And having my students and having Melissa as Katashaw, and um, that was a, a really delightful experience for us. Mm -hmm. Well, we have another connection then. Mm. Uh, the Jefferson City Symphony did the Mikado. Ah. And I got to be the Mikado. Oh, isn't it a fun <laughs> role? <laughs> what a fun role. Oh. Well, uh, well, let me tell you, I, I, uh, this, you'll appreciate this. I hope I'm sure you will. Um, I had looked at uh, presentation after presentation online, you know, just person after person, and they all seem to have a their own style of the Mikado. And uh, and I I guess in my rehearsing, I'd sort of developed a style. But I was downstairs in Richardson Auditorium in the lock the dressing room. Yes, because I don't enter for some time. Right. Yes. And I'm looking in the mirror and a entirely different persona shows up in the mirror. <laughs> entirely different. Actually, one that's quite uh, effeminate and uh, soft and flowy and... Interesting. And lo and behold, that's who walked into the stage and my music director was like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> How interesting. And, and it, it came off really well. <laughs> well, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, he was a crazy man, of course, uh, the Mikado. So but there are many ways that could go. And 
You know, at one point they said that for over a hundred years, someplace in the British Commonwealth was doing a Gilbert and Sullivan production every day for oh, over a hundred years. Oh my goodness. Now, I don't uh, have the source on that, but I can mm -hmm. understand it. It um, reigned supremely for an awfully long time. And I really regret that more and more people now don't get to take uh, advantage of that. Mm -hmm. um, but it requires people to really sing and uh, and uh, sometimes that's a challenge for some of our uh, situations. Well, unless they get you as a voice teacher. Well, well, send them my way. Straw Singer Vocal Studio. Yeah. Let's make that a little clearer here. I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> today with Michael Straw, Columbia, Missouri, voice teacher, choir director, and, and uh, all around uh, good guy. Oh. And by the way, listeners, thank you for tuning in today to uh, KOPN and or possibly you happen to do the podcast or the archive. There's various ways that you can get these shows uh, at KOPN by going to the menu and either going up to programs and archives to see the last two weeks of programming or go to programs and then pick the program that you're interested in. And many of us have... Uh, podcasted our shows. So uh, find us that way. But we appreciate your support uh, of KOPN and uh, things are going well with our new executive director and some new staff folk and uh, in our new building and things are looking up, looking really good. Wonderful. And I think Columbia is so very fortunate and greatly enriched because of KOPN and the, the many people that produce and create shows for them i think we're a much richer community because because of them and and encourage them and and i'm thrilled that the new uh, setting will be good for them i'm very hopeful for that yes uh, you know it's about our 50th birthday next this next year's 50 years oh, well that should be a good party i hope <laughs> lots of hats and yeah. And noisemakers of some sort. Indeed. Well, all year we'll be celebrating. So it's a nice, long, uh, uh, enjoyable time. Yeah. Very good. So, uh, Michael Straw, you said uh, that you have a studio. It's called Straw Singer Voice Studio. Yes, the vocal studio. Vocal studio. Uh, my uh, my last name, Bean Straw, my, my I have wonderful grandparents, the bus singers. And so really it was a combination of the two names and oh. straw and singer. Oh. However, I'm also a teacher of singing. And so it does kind of mix uh, several things together to create that name. And uh, so I've been teaching for over 40 years as age has allowed me to do. And so, uh, yes, I, I have a studio here in our home and mm -hmm. uh, have done it than since I came to Columbia. Actually, my first student, it was kind of interesting as we were talking about theatrical things. I was, um, well, my grandmother died about my first semester here or second, something or other like that. And so I was back and forth, but the uh, assistant chair of the department, many listeners will remember Alex Pickard. And mm -hmm. Alex uh, came to me at the university and said, Michael, you're going to be Don Quixote. And I oh. said, oh, and I immediately thought it would be nice to have somebody in the administrative office who would sign off on everything I needed to have signed and that I should agree with this gentleman. And so I went to the audition and became Don Quixote. And um, 
fortunately had a wonderful director, Mary Paul Zell, which many people in the community will know Mary and her fine work here with theater. But um, it was uh, that was another great role to get to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. uh, of course, I was, you know, 32 at the time or 31 or something. And really, I'm a much better age to play that now as I <laughs> find more windmills in my life to, uh, to pursue. So uh, should, should we mention that again, that you're available to Don Quixote, the, whoever's uh... well, either available or it's, or it's a warning. One of the two. And, you know, I had a young man who who was in the cast, a young community guy who was in eighth grade, and he was you know like six two or so by eighth grade, and Whoa. and uh, he came to me afterwards and said, uh, "Would you consider teaching singing to me?" And I said, "Why, certainly." And so David was my first. David Schmidt was my first student here in Columbia and uh, and a great guy and uh, went on to uh, he's in New York City. And interestingly enough, he married Melissa's first cousin's uh, niece uh, by marriage. And so we're a kind of extended family, I suppose. She was also a singer. And so anyway, David has sung with the Metropolitan Opera Chorus on several occasions as an adjunct chorus member. And he and his family live in New York City. And, um, and so that's one of my wonderful former students that I um, appreciate greatly and respect and, and keep up with regularly. So, or he keeps up with me, vice versa, <laughs> two-way street there. So you officially started uh, Strawsinger Vocal Studio in 1989 or so? Well, approximately, that's approximately it. You know, I was teaching for a decade before I got here and uh, teaching in Southwest Missouri. And, oh, okay. uh, and so I taught uh, high school at Neosho High School, which was a wonderful place where I'd done my student teaching and they called and asked me to teach. And I taught there for three years and learned learned a great deal and uh, managed to survive it. It was a challenge, but it was the second largest choral music department in the state of Missouri at the time. And, and oh. uh, so I was very fortunate and uh, not as well prepared. I mean, I was really hired two weeks after school started Oh my goodness! And, uh, uh, but my uh, the man who had student done my student teaching with went on to do uh, teaching in Oklahoma City, and and so they needed a replacement. And I thought, well, I'd been in school long enough; I'd take a break and teach a few years. And so, so I did, and, and learned a great deal. I'm very grateful for that experience. And then the college called and asked me to teach part time there in uh, in the Osho, and I said, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I just cannot do any more. And then I said, I, and then I said some things about what I thought they really ought to do with the program because I had nothing to lose. I was going to go back to graduate school and, and uh, move on. And uh, they called me two days later and offered me the job that I just suggested they create. Wow. So I, I, I stayed again um, <laughs> there and was going to stay two years and stayed five. And so, you know, all of this got in the way of me wanting to finish a doctoral degree by the time I was 25 and go to L.A. or New York so I could become a singer and an actor. Yeah. And uh, so my I instead uh, got out of there when I was about 30 and, and went to USC to start my doctoral degree with a choral doctoral degree in choral conducting. But mm -hmm. ended up not staying for that program and uh, coming here to the university and um uh, had wonderful opportunities, and especially those experiences with Harry Morrison were very fulfilling. And um, I utilize those things still today. They've helped me to continue to grow and to think and to uh, learn. And I think that's at the core. Growing up in the family, which I grew up with, 
I was very fortunate that it was a place that loved learning and uh, reading and uh, thinking and communicating were uh, important factors. And so we were not just closed in on that 80 acre farm northwest of Carthage. We were uh, really exposed to the world. And um, I've never thought that I'm, I'm just a, a Carthaginian or a Jasper <laughs> Countyan or a Missourian. Um, but a part of the greater world. And, and I want to be a part of that. And so it's been wonderful for me here in Columbia because, um, and which I never planned to stay, but here I am having such wonderful students in this community and families who want great things for their students. And so they've been sending their kids all over the world. And because of that, uh, my students have gone to many of the major institutions of, uh, of music and theater uh, in the nation and have been accepted into those programs and graduated from those programs. And and so I sort of do some career counseling as well for those who are wanting to go in that direction. Oh, wow. Of course, the majority of my students probably uh, stay in the community and go back and, and sing in community theater and uh, in their uh, church choirs and uh, temple choirs or uh, things such as that. And uh, some serve on the school board. I have had school board members who are my former <laughs> students. And so, you know, music is for everyone. Uh, I don't want to make it an exclusive type of thing at all. I think it is great. And it's a part of that a concept of the aesthete who promotes beauty and art. And um, I think singing in community helps us to be uh, a better, richer community. And that's certainly part of something that you promote in your um, concept here of, of a human world and building a, a humane world that mm -hmm. is and so music can be a very good part of that and i'm grateful and fortunate to have stayed in it all these years mm -hmm. well it has been for me i remember in grade school i went to grant school by the way ah i, I don't know if we had a person in the school that uh each teacher did their own or, you know, we had the, the, the roving music teacher. I can't recall, Yes, but, uh, we, we just did songs of the world. Yes. And, you know, it was always, uh, from all kinds of countries and, uh, and we even got together in, as grade schoolers and went to, uh, Columbia college, I think to do a performance. Uh, wonderful. Their auditorium there. Yes. Yeah. Honor Auditorium. I taught there for seven years, actually. And yeah, I was going to say something about Jane Froman. Right. I uh, directed the Jane Froman Singers for seven years. I, I think we started going to Europe every couple of years in there uh, uh, while I was teaching there and and uh, enjoyed working with those students very much. Yeah. Uh, another l sort of connection. Uh, my father, Warren Dalton, yeah. Uh, owned a, a woman's clothing store named Suzanne's. Oh. Columbia's smartest shop for women. <laughs> where, where I sort of, you know, grew up in a sense of uh, going down to help out after school or things oh, like good, that. Oh, good, good. But uh, he told a story about the Jane Froman coming to his store. Oh. And uh, she was wearing, I think, a uh, a long mink. <laughs> and she, I, I think somehow she was wanting something different. And he said, well, you know, it to me, if you just shortened that and made it a <laughs> da-da-da-da-da-da. 
Yes. And he had the alteration people that could do it, and they worked it out, and she loved it. And so, of course, he's passed a couple of years ago at 101, mm. uh, but uh, he loved to tell his Jane Froman story. Well, I respected your father and got to hear him on uh, radio, I believe. Oh, good, uh, yeah. Uh, many years ago and enjoyed hearing and reading his articles uh, in the Tribune in those days. And so uh, it's it's wonderful. You know, it, interestingly enough, we have parents or grandparents that were writers. And my, my grandmother was the uh, poet, laureate of the, poet laureate of the Ozarks in 1942. And um, she thought that perhaps she would go on to have this great writing career. But actually, she... Um, uh, did not the world did not open up to her in that uh, regard but she did write the rest of her life and uh, I was the lucky recipient of being raised by grandparents and great-grandparents uh, who were there and, and helping with the process all along the way and so yes you're very fortunate then to have had this um, this father who could articulate things so cleverly and had a great memory and uh, yeah. then put those down into uh, in the written form as well and to have started that uh, in the twilight of his life, I mean, this is his uh, a new career after wow. uh, business and after retirement, and his his wife passed, and yes. and uh, he started said, "Well, I'm coming back to Columbia," and he he had the idea and he pitched it to uh, the Tribune, and they liked it, and mm -hmm. I became his. Uh, I guess we'd say the, his second editor, he would edit it first and then I would get it and do some editing and then oh, send it helpful. to the Tribune. And Oh, how helpful. You were so fortunate. Well, we were, yeah. I really hadn't had much time with my dad throughout the rest of his life, really. I believe you were one of several children. Yes, uh, I had three blood brothers and then he married in, uh, when I was a, senior just graduated from high school uh he married a woman that had four kids so i have three stepbrothers wow. and a stepsister mm, yeah so yeah. the family, family doubled and hence uh i immediately moved to uh, smu instead of mu <laughs> i see i see which i i don't know if you ever heard of lloyd fouch oh yes yes but he was uh, my choir director at, at smu Oh, well, of course. yes, yes. He taught there for decades, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. And so uh, you got to have that wonderful experience. I was on that campus a few years ago uh, for a, a workshop and, uh, of course, had nothing to do with him. But I think Howard Swan, I think, was a great back from L.A. And, and performed on that and, and enjoyed that very much. But, mm -hmm. yes, uh, Fouch had a, a very respected reputation. And so mm -hmm. we'll have to talk more outside of this venture about that. Did you sing with him yeah. at Southern Methodist? And well, he had a university singers like, yes, like Mizzou did oh. called something different, but, uh, mm -hmm. but I just was able to audition and get into that and uh, oh, enjoy that for a couple of years. Yeah. What good experiences. It's, it's nice. And I, I wish more of our um, students uh, across the country could have experiences outside of their local region mm -hmm. it is it's so important that we may come back or uh, may stay in the greater state or something but we really need to travel and to be a part of other thoughts and mm -hmm. um, to observe other people and how they work and how they think 
mm-hmm. how they learn. You know, I'll never forget being in Switzerland and eating at this restaurant and, and they often held their food like their utensils like my father did. And we thought father was a real hick. And, um, you know, there they were uh, in Switzerland uh, eating in this same fashion, you know. And uh, so you realize the world is uh, is a wonderful big place and that we have much to learn from other cultures and ethnic groups. And, um, you know, that was the wonderful thing I didn't mention about growing up in this family. But one of the great things I remember so much about it, my mother was a teacher of art and an artist. And mm. one of the things she said as a, I remember being a young boy and she'd say, we'll, we'll all be better off when uh, we're all the same color. Mm. And for many years, I thought of that, that in an artist, artistic sense more than I really recognized it at first, being what she was talking about in a, uh, in a um, ethno- ethnological sense. And uh, yes, we'll be a lot better off when we're all uh, even more successfully mixed. Mixed. And then (laughs) there is father with his pictures from Korea with his standing arm in arm with fellow um, soldiers. And of course, that was the first group to be integrated. And Mm -hmm. so my father had no bigotry and uh, which really surprised me growing up in in the family in which he grew up. And so uh, uh, those were good lessons to learn from my parents at a very early age. And I'm so grateful for that in every way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, also grandfather, who I said taught for 43 years. I remember in 1968, my grandfather went to Europe mm. and uh, the family did not get to travel very much. But upon his graduation from 43 years of teaching, uh, he uh, wanted grandmother to go along and uh, she did not want to fly or take the ship, and grandfather did. So he took uh, one of the big sh- ships to Europe and then uh, spent six weeks there and then flew back and took a plane back. So he really enriched his world experience by traveling mm-hmm. back to Europe from which his family had come. Wow. Uh, you know, we're all northern europeans uh, uh middle northern anglo-saxons mostly mm-hmm. in the family but um some of the germanic areas as well and irish and scottish and so uh, it was wonderful for grandfather to get to do that and i'm sure i reaped those benefits as well even though i didn't get to go with him and i should have gotten to go since i was the oldest grandchild <laughs> but um and, and grandma didn't want to go so and right i was only a natural he should have invited me and i think i was probably about 12 or 13 and i guess he didn't want to have to take care of me on that travel so perfect oh, age well. though yeah i would have, would have been, been a perfect age, good age. Yeah. yes i'm fortunate to have gotten my children to europe by that point of time in their world and lives and so mm-hmm. um and there are yet many other places to see and to be a part of. But, you know, so growing up with this family that was uh, so invested in education, and then, you know, I have a, a doctoral degree in education as well, and and studying that type of thing. I'm very much a great believer in liberal arts education and how important it is that we learn for the sake of learning, not for the sake of uh, making more money, mm-hmm. not uh, for the for those reasons, but that we might continue to learn. And so I want to encourage people. I have uh, many adults that study with me privately, not just these uh, high school and middle school 
students that do and college students that come over to me, but many adults who come and I'm almost like their gym membership where they get to come in every week and we get to sing. And I, I do work on adjusting the voice. I'm a, a, a person who believes that we can technically adjust the voice and help the voice, the voice to be healthy and natural in a good, healthy way. And so I enjoy that so tremendously. And so uh, encourage that good liberal arts education and to encourage our our uh, progeny and our uh, students to grow and learn. I really regret it when I hear students who hate being in school and mm -hmm. don't want to read and don't want to keep learning. And, and that can affect one's life in a harsh mm -hmm. uh, and terrible way. And so keep learning. The Alexander technique. Yes. That's uh, a breathing kind of a thing right uh well, a full body it's more or less a full body type of thing and yet i've not officially i'm not certified in an alexander technique but i do address it a little bit as we deal with the body alignment actually mm -hmm. is what i think it is it's body when the when the body is well adjusted and aligned it can will do its best job performing mm -hmm. you know we've all watched people on stage doing all sorts of character roles and and having these this strange bodily things and yet they sing and we're standing over someone we've just stabbed and or we've been <laughs> stabbed and we're still singing to the end of the song and um yes we we can pull that off but getting that body and good healthy adjustment makes all the difference in the world as to what comes out and how it sounds mm -hmm. and so uh, i do address some of the work of the alexander technique even though that is not i'm not a specialist in that yeah. area at all well, it was kind of a lead into breathing. And yes. uh, I remember being in Tom Mills summer workshop prior to my freshman year. Oh. And uh, he said, okay, I want everybody to, we were sitting in the folding chairs at, uh, mm -hmm. at the union. And he said, okay, everybody bend over where your chest is almost touching your, your knees. And I want you to breathe. And I want you to feel your your abdomen, mm -hmm. you know. So he was sort of into the abdominal breathing technique yes. and wanted you to be aware of it. That. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, more recently, I've I've heard that that there's a, an advancement in that. How do you teach your students to breathe? I wanted to articulate things, you know. At first, we're all prone to want someone to hear what we hear, to see what we see, to think what we think. And yet it's not my goal to make my students in my image. Sure. It's my goal to empower them to be able to understand physically what's going on when we're trying to make uh, a good vocal sound. And so I put these ideas together. And so I have eight, what I call eight points of vocal pedagogy that I deal with. And uh, certainly, breathing is um, one of those and um, I do it's a very sequential thing that I talk about and I teach that to all of my students so they have an idea when they're listening to someone sing watching someone sing hearing singers they can analyze oh well that singer's doing this and that singer's not doing this mm -hmm. instead of oh Michael just doesn't like that guy or or you know I don't like that guy and I'll never forget some wonderful young man came in and brought me the most heinous example of singing I'd ever heard. Mm. And I managed not to use that word. 
at that point in time or to chase him out of the studio and say, keep going. But um, to try to help him to change his concept and understanding of what beauty and uh, and art entails. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I don't have a favorite type of music and I uh, am probably never going to, I, I love music of all genres and want to continue to embrace those and learn from those. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I have another call coming in there and this one's from a student of mine that teaches professionally and sings professionally in Germany. Who is so, that? Who is that? Josh Whitener. Uh, many of you will know Josh. When we did the Mikados back in 2004, Josh was um, uh, the uh, young tenor lead in that show. And Josh has gone on to sing for the last 12 years in Germany as a, um, a member of their uh, a Fach system, it's called. And so he has um, been singing in uh, A houses the last several years, most recently at Mannheim. And a couple of years ago, was able to premiere at um, La Scala, being in the opera there, and also mm -hmm. at the Salzburg Festival in Salzburg that mm -hmm. next year. And so now he's going on to uh, become a teacher at the uh, University of the Arts in Berlin, one of the great schools of Berlin, where he will be teaching, where some of you listeners will know the great singer Dietrich Fischer-Dieschkau a very famous uh, baritone singer and teacher. And uh, and so he that's where he ended his career, was actually there too. Now, Josh is 41, so his career's not necessarily over, but he does have a position that gives him tenure until he's 66. Wow. And so uh, it's, a, it's a fabulous teaching opportunity for him and, and the one in which I think he will be most successful. But I love hearing him sing. And so pull up Josh Whitener on YouTube and and uh, listen to Josh. It's a glorious tenor voice. All right. I said when I heard him as a young man, that, that's a golden voice. And mm. I've been very fortunate through the years to have actually several golden voices and mm. people that are out there singing professionally. And so Josh is just one of those. And so, mm -hmm. yes, look for him. And, and another one, a wonderful young, uh, young, of course, uh, that was one of my students for many years ago. Shana Farr is singing professionally in New York City. And Shana sings cabaret. Uh, there and has won many of the cabaret awards for her singing and so uh, you can pull up Shana uh, shanafar.com and, and to see and hear learn about her career and what she continues to be doing in New York City and, and in London she's sung several times there in fact she was just recently uh, a part of a celebration of Sir John Gilgood when he was in uh, interred is not quite the right word i don't know what it is but recognized in the poet's corner of westminster abbey oh. and um, she got to be a part of that group uh, hmm. she has interviewed interviewed sir ian mcclellan and and she sat between he and um dame judy dench yeah. and uh, then she got up and sang the, the one of the great hymns of uh of the english church uh right there acapella in the hall in Westminster Abbey. And so uh, <laughs> shanafar.com, uh, say hello to Shana and listen to her great singing. You'll love hearing her perform and sing. And so I've had students on Broadway as well. And so I'm uh, grateful for those experiences and just sent away two wonderful kids here in town. One's going to NYU and the Tisch School of the Arts, uh, and uh, Aiden Ryan and uh, another one, Danny Daklala going to Boston University. Both these boys are going into theater. 
and uh, have phenomenal singing voices as well. And so I'm going to miss both of, both of those this year as they go on to that. Aiden was in the producers this summer, if any of you heard him at uh, Columbia Entertainment Company's production mm. of the producers. And uh, then another former student, Natalie McNeely, who's here at the university, and she uh, sang in the Matilda production they just recently had. And so uh, lots of students here are, are being involved in, in uh, many of the high school productions here and community productions. And so I'm very, very fortunate to get to work with those people. And I have people doing their own bands. Uh, I have several people who have a pop rock bands uh, and that they're singing in and um, really admire the work that they're doing. You know, so I got to be at Rose Hall where one of my students was performing here a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Will Reeves and Will has a recording studio here in town and, a, oh. and uh, sings. And so well, Penny Marvel, you can look up his things on that. And so, uh, oh, there are more. I probably shouldn't start in because... I, I have these wonderful students and my son is off doing his thing. He's uh, finishing a master's degree at um, Eastman School of Music and has um, also been fortunate to be at the uh, Aspen Festival of the Arts and uh, just was recently at um, Des Moines Metro Opera this summer we was, where he was an assistant conductor and uh, he was uh, also uh, one of two American young conductors at the uh, Salzburg Festival two summers ago. And so uh, that was a fabulous experience for him. And he'll be conducting the uh, Rochester Philharmonic for a production in October there. Oh. He'll be the conductor for that. And Congratulations. so- Congratulations, wow. Uh, he also was an uh, assistant conductor here for the Missouri Symphony for a couple of summers, a couple, hmm. uh, th- three or four years ago. And mm-hmm. so had a great experience with that and very appreciative of the Missouri Symphony and, and Kirk Trevor and, um, that uh, group that promotes uh, great music here in Columbia as well. My wife conducted the children's chorus for them for many years and uh, uh, as well uh, in its heyday. They no longer have that chorus. But those are just uh, some of the students and uh, that are out there doing it. In fact, my children surprised me for Christmas and Margaret and Matthew used to play a, a piano duet of Sleigh Ride by Leroy Anderson. And Margaret had not played in a couple of years and not heard her. And so one of my Christmas gifts last Christmas was the two of them going over to the bench and, and uh, bringing this back into uh, <laughs> back into reality of the family. And so uh, we had a, a you know, great to hear your kids do that. Which brings me, one thing I really want to talk about too are young students and and learning and, um, and uh, parents. You know, I talk to parents all the time, and one of the great things I was talking to a colleague who was a phenomenal musician, Beverly Kiriakos, was one of the great musicians of my life, and she was a very fine teacher here in our community. They no longer live in Columbia, and, and so I said, "Now, Beverly, should I should I have Matthew and Margaret go to uh, somebody else to get started, and then we'll come over into your studio to?" to seek advancement. And she said, Michael, the most important teacher we have is the first teacher. And I've never forgotten that and used that term. And I'm sure she didn't come up with it either. But our first teachers are sort of very, very important. And so I encourage all of you that might be listening, if you have children and grandchildren, get those children in with the best people you can find in your communities for teaching. You know, I I never met a teacher in music and otherwise that didn't want to be a good teacher and all of them usually think of themselves as good teachers. And you and I and the listening audience all realize that we only have a handful of good teachers in our background that we can say, that person really made me want to learn more. And so I encourage uh, 
you as parents not to just get the person who lives next door or down the block, but find the best teachers in your community mm-hmm. and uh, get your try to get your children on the waiting list to get in with them mm-hmm. because it's so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and, and just a quick aside from that is to think of public education and how important it is and uh, that we need to do more in uh, our community and our state to support public education right. here in Missouri and in your uh, individual uh, school districts. We need more teachers and uh, we've got to support them more if, if people are going to go into teaching as a career. And while I left public school teaching many years ago, I should have stayed because I happen to enjoy uh, children uh, various ages and uh, that would have been a healthy thing. But I was going on to college teaching and going on to performing and singing professionally. And and um, I uh, went to chase those rainbows mm-hmm. instead and uh, those dreams. Mm-hmm. So uh, very much uh, want to encourage people to, to want to raise children who want to learn and who want to communicate and want to think and want to read and make music. Mm-hmm. So... So with this uh, computer world and uh, the smartphone world and the kids all have their phones and things, pads and whatnot, uh, there's a kind of an adaptation that's going on uh, that takes them into a different uh, modality of getting an education or even listening to music as far as that goes. Uh, Do you have any comments about that or do your kids have any comments that they make to you about that well we all grow up as little primates imitating the things we're around and Mm. so if we grow up in a situation where we're exposed to many different things instead of eating the same foods drinking the same drinks Mm -hmm. uh hearing the same music that's usually all we know and some people get stuck in that mode and never venture out of it. And um, so it's really important that we expose our children to a great variety of musical experiences. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, the person who takes their dear preschooler to some concert and tries to stay for an hour or two is doing the child a disservice because they're bored after a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And so we sat at the back of the hall or in the auditorium, wherever it might be. And we got up about 10 minutes and had to go outside. And then we came back in in a few minutes and then we watched some more. And they learned how to act in a concert situation as well as they learned how to enjoy it. So consequently, what we do as young parents is so important to exposing our children to these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Many parents would say, now, Michael, I don't have to do, as far as I'm concerned, perhaps the greatest teacher of all the world was Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and he, a uh, Japanese teacher who came up with the, developed the Suzuki method. And, um, and uh, it's very much hands-on for parents to be there and be there with their child when they're playing. And, and um, and so I'm very grateful that I was exposed to that in a great way with um, my daughter's violin lessons and my son's uh, cello lessons. And because of that, though, uh, help them move along and they hear all these other young people playing. And so they want to do it. All of us remember that, you know, the awful examples of the parent who has to go and survive the recital 
my stars, our recitals were amazing. You know, the kids <laughs> got up, they stood up there. And, and so people would go around, family and other friends would go around saying, oh, your children, they are prodigies. They are so fabulous. They're just amazing. And I said, well, everybody in our studio plays like that. <laughs> you know? And they did. They all played like that. And so, you know, there's the difference, parents, between finding a studio that really has good teaching Mm -hmm. and a studio that doesn't mm -hmm. and so learning how to teach is important and i'm i'm very grateful for all those students i had before i became a father because i taught for over 20 years before my children were born mm -hmm. and so i had that opportunity to learn to be a teacher I, everybody else was a guinea pig as i tried to take this back <laughs> to my own children and and uh, they're not too heavily scarred from that at least according from to me You'll have to talk to each of them individually to see, <laughs> get their angle on this. Well, Michael Straw, you have a, uh, a little video at a uh, Facebook site. Yes. Uh, it's called, the, your Facebook is Straw Singer. At uh, Straw Singer, uh, Yahoo.com. No, that's my, uh, that's that's my email. email address. But so on Facebook, you can look up Michael Straw and uh, it will have a, it'll probably take you to uh, a straw singer vocal studio video that my children made for me a couple of years ago and uh, you know it's awful the pandemic has been terrible uh for so many people and, and tragic for others thousands of others uh for us it was wonderful my children came home from college and and were here for another six eight to ten months 12 months and uh, we had a glorious time as young adults uh, back at the house and boyfriends and girlfriends were here and other friends were here and uh, safely uh, mm -hmm. through that period of time. And so we had a glorious experience, but uh, the video was kind of made during that experience as well. And so, you know, uh, you can pull that up and hear some of my students singing that yeah. and some of the things I do as a teacher of singing. So, yeah. uh, so yes, please do, please do that. And, you know, I, I want, you might also enjoy, a, you know, a, a, a composition was written in honor of me uh, about a decade ago by Howard Helvey. Howard yep. Helvey is a local musician and right. a composer who lives in Cincinnati now. And mm -hmm. he has uh, roots in Southwest Missouri, like I do. And, and so we have that family connection and I so appreciate his parents, but um, after being at Broadway Christian church for years, they honored me with a, uh, 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 having Howard create an anthem in my honor. And um, it's called Bring, comma, Oh, Mourn Thy Music. And the um, um, reason I'm saying that is you can pull it up. The Mormon Tabernacle has sung it on several occasions. Oh, wow. And so it's kind of exciting to see something. It won't say anything about Michael Straw, but on the top of each of those pieces of music has my name up there on it, you know. <laughs> This was in, in uh, honor of my being there in those years. And so, uh, Bring Old Mourn Thy Music by Howard Helvey with the Mormon Tabernacle Chorus. And oh, so, right. might enjoy that.
But, uh, you know, the other thing I want to say before we go is to vote. I'm a great believer in our wonderful privilege we have in this democracy to vote mm -hmm. and to encourage people to think of voting for the common good. I hear so many people talk about you know, voting for this topic and that topic uh, that is relevant to them. Mm -hmm. And I want to try to promote voting for that which helps the common good mm -hmm. and encourages the growth of our culture and society in healthy ways, mm -hmm. uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, and all of those things. And mm -hmm. so that's uh, very important as we get ready in November. So encourage people to be out there and voting. Wonderful. Hey, that's that's a great last word, uh, Michael Straw, unless you have one more. I have one more that I must say. <laughs> you know, I loved growing up with older adults all the time uh, in my life. And I came to realize when they were talking with me, they became my age. Uh, and that's one of the <laughs> things they loved about when I was a young boy. They remembered being 20 and they remembered being 30 and they remembered, etc. And so... Uh, that was it's so wonderful to have dialogue with people of different age groups and to promote that with young people is so very important but the thing i like most about those elderly people that i've interacted with are those who are still thinking reading growing and learning and really changing so one of my goals in life is to keep changing as i age so that i might continue to grow and to think and be a part of the, the uh, uh, important uh, humane world that we're trying to build here. A lifelong learner. Yes, indeed. Thank you for what you do, Dick, for our area, for this broadcast and the other things in which you've been involved with all these years. Thank you, Michael Straw, for all of your work and play. My goodness. It is play, too. And friends, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please. Leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because, if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon.